His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's been on a 25-year-long journey to question everything we know about cooking and eating, and now he's asked us along for the ride. My name's Jay Taylor, I've been Heston's TV producer for many years, and I'm now lucky enough to be your host as we jump inside his mind. And on today's show, grab your gold blend, get out your mucka-chucka-chino, and make sure your milk is set to froth as we dive into the amazing world of coffee, exploring the science, history, and future of our caffeination crutch. So without further ado, let's meet the man who's been making percolator noises in the kitchen to impress his friends for years, Heston Blumenthal. Hello, Heston. How are you? I'm very good, Jay. Oh, I've said, I've, no, I've said, how are you? We're not supposed to do that, are we? Sorry, oh, I shouldn't no. say that. You look splendid, is what I'm going to start with. You are look you splendid. Okay? I'm okay. Yes, are you okay? Uh, how are, are you? you okay? And you, Jay? I'm okay. How and, are you? I'm okay. You, James? I'm very good. I'm all good. I'm feeling good. Feeling Hello, feeling James. Pumped. Ready for this. Uh, do you notice the way that we, we, we all, in this current climate, we all have the emails that say, I trust this email is finding you well, especially under the current circumstances. <laughs> well, those, they've been current, they're quite long current circumstances. So I sort of decided to exactly. just, just, just forget about it. I don't mean forget about it in that way, but... It's an unnecessary sentence. Well, you're losing yourself in what looks like a very curious drink. And now it's not, and it doesn't appear to be alcoholic. What is it you are swigging from right now? Because I'm, I'm fascinated because you're always well, drinking got, and eating odd So things. I've got three drinks at the moment. I have a cup of, <laughs> of course, Red Bush, Roy Boss tea, which I, I normally, um, it's connected to caffeine because it's not technically tea, it's zero caffeine. But for this uh, podcast, I brewed myself a flat white with a combination as i sound really um can you you can't say wanky on a podcast can you i said we just did oh okay <laughs> i sound really beep um uh with sugar-free oat milk and a bit of coconut milk frothed up so i've got that Good but then my, in my my this bottle middle here, class is strong in you are oh, you wait for this one <laughs> wait for this one I, this is sort of all the thing about you know the boom of brunch culture veganism coffee culture um what do they call what's that what do they call those barmen you know with the long beards and the and the caps the the the, the oh a tra- a fashion, wankers. Fashion, wankers. Wankers, fashionistas <laughs> so oh, yeah. i've now all got i got sent after um i got sent i don't know if it was one of our after one of our podcasts but uh, um from a company this company pure earth uh, it's sparkling water kefir uh, it's 27 billion live... Water kefir? Yeah, kefir is, is, is when you sort of... It's, it's, got a, it's gone through a fermentation process. So it has 27 billion live cultures. Uh, organic, lemon and spirulina. I sound like a right tosser. Wow. It says, don't shake it because it, it really fizzes up. But I'm going to open the top now. It's the opposite of orangina then, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like it's just murky water. I want to know who counted the 27 million whatever the... Oh. Smells oh, it's slightly <laughs> fecal and cheesy. Are you re- are you reading the label? But I do know that the little the little creatures in my gut are very very happy when I drink this. We just like to advertise the product by saying anyone else who wants a slightly fecal smelling drink, he's swigging it. He's actually it smells as good as it looks. No, well, after you get rid of the the first release of uh, the smell, it's actually I, I love it. So I've got I've got caffeine free t- free tea. I've got caffeine-laden coffee, and then, <laughs> and then I've got sparkling, sparkling um, bacterial uh, spirulina juice. And that, that, in a drink selection, is basically what this podcast is. It's basically everything you could possibly wedge into one thing. So yes, we are indeed going to be talking about coffee very shortly. Before we do that, thankfully, in this time of high science... Our resident journey to the centre of food scientist, Martin Hodges, once again got back in touch. Thank goodness someone... Out, you may remember Martin last got in touch doing quite cutting-edge bacon sandwich experiments, putting oh, his that, body on the line. Yeah, I remember that. That was a, that was a great discovery. It was. Eating three in a row is... is Un- unbroken t- unbroken ground but now he's got back in touch uh, referencing our school dinners eff- effort we did a couple of weeks ago he said um hi heston uh, happy new year another great podcast and another massive memory jogger the school dinner i remember best is this big slab of cheese and tomato pie served for eight boys per table everyone groaned when it sh- showed up with the dinner lady all except me i bought all my mates pieces for five pence each and they just ate chips instead 
It was served with some watery tomato sauce in one of those dented tin jugs you described so accurately. I have no idea why I liked it so much. It wasn't sha- I liked it wasn't served with shaved truffles or grated parmesan. Uh, neither did it have any uh, Iberian ham on top that Heston described. <laughs> but as as pizzas didn't exist in the north of England 50 years ago, it was as close as I could get to a comparison, a dodgy deep dish pizza. So there we are. Brilliant. And then he'd dro- and he said he'd nod off in double geography that afternoon because he'd eaten so much. Thank <laughs> you Martin. Just just keep them coming. <laughs> Do you remember that there was a book um, years ago called Real Men Don't Eat Quiche? <laughs> no, and it, do you remember you that? Do you remember that, James? I, mm, and and I basically, it must have been twenty, twenty-five years ago, and it shows how times have changed. Real many Yorkies and drive uh, um, transit vans the with a mattress in yeah. the back and stuff like that, and big <laughs> trucks, but they don't eat quiche. Real men now, I think, do eat quiche. They certainly and, yeah, do. They may, certainly maybe do. Martin I if started they young. For school dinners. Well, I was going to well, say that sounds what delicious. He was, isn't it? He was, that sounds like what Ma- what Martin was describing was was a sort of. A sort of stepping stone towards a quiche and nod to a quiche. Oh, maybe, yeah, maybe he didn't know he was born. Maybe the I north of England I mean, wasn't as tough as he makes it sound like. Maybe it was all quiches. Or maybe they couldn't call it quiche because no one would eat it. <laughs> they yeah. called it watery tomato <laughs> bake. Well, probably in those days, in probably the, probably in those days, no, we couldn't pronounce quiche. Yes, that's right. Do you do you remember this? <laughs> he was talking about dodgy pizzas. Do you remember micro pizzas? The ones you put in the microwave. Ah, yes. They were, yeah, they were they were smaller, weren't they? And they were on a, like a a white cardboardy sort of base. That's it. And yeah. microchips. What on Ooh, earth yeah. was the idea? And it took me I ages to figure out, oh, microchips. Do you I know, they're it. probably going to hate me for this, but when I did the, I did the, um, the, the TV show for airline food, we ended up with um, something that would work in, in, in the sky uh, at altitude, and we thought that it was um, really about sort of umami and meaty flavours and something comforting. Uh, and this was also business and first class they were sort of airlines were saying we're the restaurant in the sky well when you're in a plane do you really you don't want to if you if you are lucky enough to sit in a business class or first class seat do you really want to be eating lobster it's comfort it's comfort food so we did this um um shepherd's pie shepherd's pie and they weren't we weren't allowed to um the ba couldn't use it after after the show but they did put a burger on uh, and I got I was lucky enough to tra- travel being paid for by a business trip um, to go first class in a very nice amazing seat and it was burger and chips I thought wow but they said burger and triple cooked chips hang on a second British Airways are putting Heston's triple cooked you can't do triple cooked chips on a plane yeah, you can't have a deep fat fright yeah <laughs> so they were they were just really big soggy wedges of potato stacked up in like a Jenga kit. Stuck in a microwave. Yeah. Lovely. There goes That's my future want. BA contract. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, if they are All listening, right. I'm <laughs> well, actually, at the moment, <laughs> yep. this is no, probably um, just, yeah, just my uh, good timing. I get a, let, let BA approach me to do airline food right now. Where <laughs> all the airports are shut. So so far, sponsors wise, we've already we've already scared off BA today and the fecal meta smelling water people. Oh I no, mean, the fecal the, the the water the the the, the sparkling the um, this pure earth water. I love it. <clears throat> I love it, and I I do think it's um you can drink. drink it's got very low sugar. Twenty seven million cultures can't be wrong. It smells. It just smells right. It smells fermented. And anything fermented is really, really great for the little fellas, little creatures in our lower gut. We pulled that one round. Yeah, well done. If I didn't, if I didn't like, I wouldn't be drinking it. Well, having said that, I, I would have a sip, but I wouldn't be drinking <laughs> bottles of it. Yeah, brace yourself. Here comes another link. Talking about drinking things, <laughs> coffee. We are t- we're talking about coffee today, and obviously, I made that reference in the uh, in the intro about making percolator noises in the kitchen. But my first memory—I don't know if you had the same—of coffee and what it was in terms of advertising was that weird romance between those two people in the gold blend advert and that woman in the kitchen making percolator noises so she didn't embarrass herself at a dinner party (laughs) those sorts of noises yeah and wasn't one of them to do with milk you know i've run out of milk it's knocked on that's how it sort of started can i borrow some milk and then there was a long it was a sort of an advert romance wasn't it that's right and yeah, that's exactly. Each week they sort of the fell other, more and more in love. It was yeah. um, what's his name, yeah. Ant- oh, Anthony Head, the actor. I remember Tony, who went on to be in Buffy for all the Buffy fans out there. It was it was his, 
He played the male romantic oh, yeah, lead. I don't know, I can't remember who the lady was. Fiona Fullerton just popped into my head. I think it was her. There you go. Was it Fiona Fullerton? I think so. I'd have to Google it to check. Fiona Fullerton, who played Alice in one, played Alice in one. She played Alice in Wonderland. I've not seen her in anything in else. One of the, was probably like, a, she was. I don't know. I'll have a look. I'm sure well, she certainly did play Alice in Wonderland in 1972. You can look at certain really landmarks in the evolution of coffee. So coffee was the first thing to be freeze-dried and that really changed everything because you, then you got instant coffee and which is the adverts you're talking about obviously the freeze, freeze-drying process was was several or more than several decades before that and um do you know that how do the, they freeze-dry coffee what do they actually basically what make, do they actually do to the coffee basically make coffee and free when you freeze it they go through a freezing process we we filmed we did freeze-dry for the curry show remember the freeze-dryer in uh and we've had we've we've got freeze dry at work you you basically go through a, pl- a, a process of sublimation so if you have something frozen it turns from ice to water to vapor if you heat it up so put ice cubes in a pan ice water vapor but sublimation skips out the water phase and takes the vapor it just sucks the water out of of the fro of the cough the frozen coffee and then it, it dries it which is like you get free that's what happens when you know like freeze-dried ice cream basically so you can have these coffee granules you have to be careful because if you leave them in a moist environment they suck up because the water's gone out then there's capacity to suck it back in so the coffee was served in the the instant coffee they put in pots with plastic with a with a paper seal and remember you you, yeah. you burst it with a spoon and the, yeah. and the coffee companies i don't know if they still do this but injected coffee flavor into the gap just between the top of the coffee and the lid. So when you when you punctured the surface, you get this poof, hit of freshly roast coffee, which has actually been yeah. injected. Then your memory of that of that coffee is related to that to that um, that glass pot of really? cardboard pot of freeze dried coffee. That's yeah. clever, isn't it? It's clever. They made a big advertising thing about it. that. Was a big thing for one of them, like Nescafe, where yeah. it was all about breaking that seal that and getting breaking that smell the seal. We, we i think we did we did a giant version of that on one of our we did giant versions of most things i think but a giant version of that on one of our of one of our shows oh yeah i think we did actually um, oh god it's like traumatic memories i blocked so many of those out i can't barely remember <laughs> <laughs> I, that's really interesting they injected it in it so the way they make it is so they make for example a giant pot of coffee with water freeze that and then that's what they freeze dry down so you're not getting beans in their purest form you're getting already no, no, a kind no, of slightly great, yeah. diluted version it's actually dried huh. coffee so you know that does that make it um I mean, we could probably come on to this, the, the strength side of things in a bit because I'm fascinated with caffeine generally. But does that make it weaker then than if you were going to yes. a, and then an it, espresso? It's got less caffeine than an espresso, and and there is a uh, there is a um, there is a a belief amongst many people that tea has more caffeine than coffee. Now, in its raw state, tea has more caffeine than coffee, but once you process the tea and you have tea leaves and you process the coffee. You grind it up. So the extraction from the coffee and the extraction from the tea leaves, coffee has significantly more caffeine than tea. Significantly more. In in the finished That's cup. Interesting. But in, in its in, in its pre processing weight, then tea has more caffeine. How much how I mean this is these are daft questions, which I'm sure most people know the answer to. But if I was to get sort of a, a, a two or three coffee beans and just ate them versus turning them into a drink would i still get the same amount of caffeine hit from that well ah jay you've asked you've asked so the bacon and egg ice cream evolved from exactly that and 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 a and a, and a, a concept a theory a technique that i developed called flavor encapsulation so we register the rate of change so if the light in your room goes from yellow to purple over 12 hours the chances are you're not going to notice it if it goes from from the from yellow to purple uh in a second or five minutes you the faster the rate of change the more we notice so we register rate of change and it's a it's a defense mechanism you know if i just go but if you slowed my clap right down the rate of that that whole rate of change would be different and the same things for food so what we forget about is that there's one thing is smell but when we eat our food we use our teeth to break it up and as we break the food up with our teeth, that releases flavor. So, uh, and I've used this technique. It's a great technique to use in the kitchen on many, many things. So I was thinking, with making ice cream, 
the traditional method is you cook custard until it's thick enough to coat the back of a spoon, a wooden spoon, when you, when you sort of hold it up. And that's about 80 to 85 degrees centigrade, but egg yolks start to thicken below that temperature. So they're in the, in the 70s. So you're, what you're doing, if you cooked it a bit more than 80 to 85, you end up with scrambled eggs. And that's because the proteins, they, like, they coil up, which makes them go granular. And I notice, for me, quite often uh, vanilla ice creams in restaurants would taste eggy. I get a real eggy flavor in my mouth, and I didn't want that in vanilla ice cream. So we, I reduced all the temperatures of my ice creams down to 69, 68, 69 degrees. But for pasteurization, you have to hold them longer to kill all the bacteria. So it's a time temperature thing. <clears throat> the problem with that, you had a wonderfully clean ice cream, but... It didn't keep as long because ice crystals started to form. So the thicker the ice cream, the less well, the less ice crystals, or the the smaller the ice, the, the smaller the ice crystals, the smoother the ice cream. But it it was heavy and eggy. So then I thought, oh, what happens if I intentionally put loads of eggs in the, in my custard, and I cook the crap out of it, so I ruin it. And then I blitz it, and then I pass it through a sieve and make an ice cream from it. So I'm actually making an egg ice cream. I tasted it, and it took me straight back to childhood and reminded me of my breakfast, so hence the beginning of egg and bacon ice cream. So I, was, I used to use the example of a coffee bean with flavor encapsulation and the rate of change of flavor. If you took, let's say, your three coffee beans, and you grind them up, and you put them in a cup of water, you make a cup of coffee with three ground beans, it would be really insipid. However, yeah. if you put those three beans in your mouth, crunch them, and then neck the water, you're going to get a much bigger hit of coffee because you've encapsulated, you've given yourself an explosion of coffee. So as a technique in the kitchen, for example, if you're going to make, let's say you're going to make a carrot and coriander soup, put some coriander seeds, you need three or four in the bowl of soup. I put them in my ratatouille as well. You get, every now and then, you get this, this surprising crunch and burst of flavour. It's a fantastic, hmm. simple technique. Now, as we're talking about coffee here, and also all the mistakes we can make when we try and order it abroad, wouldn't it be great if when we did go abroad and try and order a caffeination fix, we could speak the lingo? Well, the good news is one of our sponsors is here to help. They are called Babbel. Babbel teaches real-life conversations and helps you learn through interactive dialogues and special speech recognition technology to improve your pronunciation and accents. Their lessons are lovingly created by over 100 language experts, which is real people, not just translation machines. And Babbel have recently launched their own learning podcast. So after you've listened to Journey to the Centre of the Food, you can brush up on your Spanish or French while cooking or exercising as well. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian and German. So if you want a coffee or a caffeination fix anywhere, you can pretty much get the lingo through Babbel. And the great thing is Babbel is now offering all of you guys six months free with a purchase of six months subscription with the promo code Heston. Go to babbel.co.uk forward slash play and use the promo code Heston, H-E-S-T-O-N, on your six month subscription. That's babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.co.uk forward slash play promo code Heston and you'll be asking for a coffee when you're abroad in no time at all. Talking about that, let's get back to our hot cup of joe. Well, now we go on to water. I mean, we, we go on to many things when you're making coffee, but as you just touched on that, when you're going to make, when you make coffee, the water is also very important because if, you're, if, if, if your water is too hard, it's got too much calcium and magnesium in it, you end up with a cloudy coffee. Also, if you're using a coffee machine, it can clog the just like your kettle getting all scaled up and also you don't get uh, it affects the flavor extraction if your water is too soft the other thing happens is you get over extraction so you can get burnt um sort of um, less pleasant bitter flavors so that the you need the water but that's not too hard and not too soft that's very that's very important one of the things i'm always sort of wondering is especially now in lockdown, coffee's become very important at home. And it's almost like, why can I never get it like to taste like the coffee that you get from a, a coffee shop? And obviously I appreciate it's the machines. Now, look, I know you've built 
your own machine, which is very highly regarded, a Sage machine. Yeah. But what is what is it that happens in those big fancy machines, all the clanging and bashing they do in the shops, which I love so much? Well, what is it it's doing that makes it so special? Basically, the stages of coffee is you get the coffee beans and they're green. They're, they're, they're not they're not they're not brown like like we you know like we see them in, in when we buy our coffee beans or ground coffee. So they need to be roasted. And the roasting process, again, it's time temperature. The, 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 temp- the temperature and the time you roast it for has a major effect on the compounds and the gases that come off after the roasting. And, and, and I'll come back to those because they're really important. When the coffee beans are roasted, they, then, they, ha- they can't package them in a sealed bag. And they couldn't historically package them in a sealed bag because they had to leave them for, I can't remember the period of time, it's between 24 and 72 hours, I can't remember the time. Because if you put them in a sealed bag, the gases would, make, would, would explode the bag. So this is where, um, again, I'm gonna come back to, right, hold that gas thought and we'll come back to it. Talking hold about my, gas, yeah. my sparkling uh, water, kefir, bacterial drink. Um, so then you've roasted your beans, then, the next thing is when you're going to make the coffee, you grind the bean. And they've now, you've got vertical grinders. I won't go into the, you know, we could, we could, do, we could do many podcasts on this, but you grind the beans into a powder. And the, the, the grind size is going to have an effect on the amount of time that the water passes through the coffee and the extraction so once you've ground the beans, so that you then, so let's say you've got your big, your old-fashioned coffee machine with all your tubes and pipes and you know, psh, 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 and your dials and stuff. You've got a grinder. So you've got you've got your cup that you put that you put in the grinder. You press the button, it grinds the coffee. Then then it, you have a little metal. Uh, imagine like an old seal. You know, like a royal seal that you put wax seal, but a flat, it's a flat yeah. metal. It's called a you tamper. You squash it down. Yes, you have to squash it down. And the level you squash it down will have an impact. So the more squashed it is, the, 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 the longer it will take for the water to drip through, which will affect the extraction. Um, so once you, that's called tamping. Once you've tamped it, you then, you, you then put the cup, the, the metal. Um, I just don't know the technical name for it, but you know what I mean. Hold the thingy. Hold the thingy into your coffee machine, and it's got one spout or two spouts normally for a single or a double espresso. And then you press a button, and hot water comes out. The water normally should be around about 95 degrees centigrade, and it should take for an espresso about 30 seconds. So to filter through, if, it, if, it, if, it's, if it's anything under 20, 22, it's too quick. If it's anything over 35, the chance that it's going to be too long, it, it'll take too long and you'll, you'll start extracting bitter notes. So they, I was going to say, the longer it takes, the more bitter it yeah, the, I, and, and Yes, longer in the temperature. So now that's making an espresso. Um, the coffee beans are a mixture of Arabica and Robusto. And they have different flavor characteristics. The Arabica is considered a finer coffee and with more sort of cherry citrusy notes. The Robusta is a bit more clumsy, but the crema, which is, you know, when you have an espresso, you get that, that creamy white um, top, which I got yeah. obsessed about. It's the oils. That? It's the oils that, 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 that come from our, after the roasting. As you're, and so they come to the top, but they're emulsified. So Why like, did you become obsessed with that? Because you wanted to get that. Effect. I wanted more crema. The more crema, the better. Yeah, I, I spent. <laughs> I spent. Well, I'll come on to this in a, in, in, in a Was this in a making second. your machine, or was this just making coffee in general, or was no, this building this your machine? No, this goes back twenty, fifteen, at least fifteen years ago in the duck, and there was a guy. If anyone was interested, um, he's incredible. An ex-lawyer in the states called Jeffrey Steingarten, and he wrote a book called "The Man Who Ate Everything." And I think the second one was it must have been something I ate or something like that. But the man who ate everything, he did, he is, he was obsessed. He did the thing on microwaves. He bought 40 microwaves and tested them. He did a thing on salt and showed that, you know, it doesn't matter how expensive your salt is, by the time you stick it in water and dissolve it, it makes no difference. So there's a you man know, after he, your own heart. Yeah. Well, he, he was, and, and his, his chapter on coffee was a, was a really big influence. Uh, on me so i read it 
and he was talking about Illy coffee. So Illy coffee contains nearly either 100, I think it's 100% Arabica, which means you don't get a crema on the top. So it's more acidic, uh, which is why they always serve a, a sachet of sugar on the side with an Illy coffee, because it's that's what it's, it's designed to do. I never knew that. That makes loads more sense now. I was wondering why they gave you sugar. Yes, it's because it because the acidity, the acidity and bitterness in the arabica. So the the robusta gives it, so it smooths it out a bit. But it does give you the, the crema, which makes which which makes a massive difference. And if you notice, a lot of yeah, there's companies now like Lavazza and uh, Nespresso when they advertise their coffee, most of the time they're in glass cups now. Yeah, absolutely. That way just, you can see how you, how much crema's in the coffee because. If it was in a glass cup and it was just black or dark brown, it wouldn't be as enticing. Yeah, and it's not it's not like the old mug days back of Nescafe, is it? Now it's more about look oh, how no, layered it is. Yeah, and they, and and Jeffrey said there's a there's a test for the crema. You take a tea, a coffee spoon of sugar, and you just pour it on top of the coffee, and it should take a couple of seconds before it falls through the crema. Because if there was no crema, it would go just fall straight in. Uh, I can imagine we, you doing that for hours. We measured the hardness of the water. We measured the temperature of the water. We looked at the temperature of the cups, the thickness of the cups, the shape of the cups, and then afterwards we realised. Oh, and we had a, we had a we had one of those classic coffee machines. But most restaurants. What don't, do you mean, like a, an espresso one or a big clanky one? Oh no, big clanky one. And um, most restaurants don't have the luxury of being able to have professional or professionally trained baristas. So if you've got the staff and you're making coffee with that at the time, now people know much more. It was In those days, the coffee culture wasn't anything like it is now. So it was like, what does all this mean? It looks really complicated. So it depended on who made the coffee as to the quality of the coffee. Then Jeffrey in his book said, was talking about Nespresso, are launching this machine. And I thought, oh, I've never heard of this. And so we called them in. We were the first restaurant in the world to use a Nespresso machine. It was a professional machine. Um, and what they did is Nestle spent, I don't know, tens of tens of millions of pounds developing a process where once you've roasted and ground the coffee, you could, you could seal it in those pods with all the gases inside. So when you put your pod in the machine and you make yourself an espresso, you get a crema. That was the beginning of the end of Starbucks. Because you can do it at home the same way they do it there. Yeah. And actually, the chances are you'll get it because in those days, the training wasn't as like it is now. You would get so they are really good. Those better. machines are there. I've never, I've only used them in. Like, I know you had one in um, one of your offices, and it was always nice. But I never really know where yeah, they, they sit on the sort of hierarchy of coffee. Well, there. I mean, I mean, it's a, it's a big step up from uh, instant coffee. Although instant coffee is its own thing. Sometimes you might just want a cup of instant coffee, and but in terms of you know. Uh, coffee snobberism and, 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 and refinement and coffee enthusiasts it's a, it's a step up it can be a step up from from, from, Star, from Starbucks definitely um, yeah. uh, but it not, it's not the same as if you have a trained barista that knows what they're doing and, and the coffee the, the skill of the, co- the roaster the coffee roaster uh, and so the machine that we did with Sage what it does um it incorporates all those things I spoke about. So you put the cup under the under the um, in the machine, and you just you just twist the handle, activates the grinder on top, and it grinds the coffee immediately. Because the, the 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 faster you can go bean to cup, the the the, the more aromatic and complex. And there's over a thousand aroma molecules in coffee. It's one of the most complex. A book encyclopedias encyclope- encyclopedic books have been written on this um so you then got your ground coffee it tamps is an automatic tamper so it makes you can hear the grinding sound and then it makes a whirring sound and it squashes the coffee down to the right pressure you can change the grind size then you under they move it across to your water section and you press single or double and there's a timer so it it, ta- it tells you how many seconds. So, for example, if it if it took fifteen seconds, you know that maybe your grind size is wrong, or 
the, you might need to descale the coffee machine or something like that. This is so you. This is like stepping inside people's <laughs> homes as close as you can get through a machine to go, get out of the way, let me do it. <laughs> yeah, just when you do that. And then the milk, and now that we, we can come up, we'll come on to the milk after. But though, so that's, that for me is when you can really, you know, you play around with, um, with the coffee and then it's completely different. You know, one cup of coffee. It's like having a fine wine, I think. You know, you can... The complexity of all of the uh, aromas and compounds in coffee is incredible. Now, I, I haven't yet looked into why. I mean, it's very interesting that as human beings, from an evolutionary process, we shouldn't really like foods that are bitter and when we're kids we don't i think it's one of the reasons coffee is so un yeah it was so unappealing when you were a kid right yeah it's because everything that's poisonous is bitter so in terms of receptors you know the bitter receptors at the back of the tongue they're designed as a last defense mechanism if you're hunting gathering and you eat something and then and you think oh missus spit it out because this is this is too bitter so, but then as we grow up we then overcome these sort of, you know, these evolutionary fears and defense mechanisms. And we have coffee, we have beer, or we have tea, bitter foods. Our bitterness is a really, I think it's a, it's a, be a good podcast to do because bitterness is um, incredibly good for our gut up to a point. So if you think about oranges, for example, fruits, Many fruits and vegetables, the outside of the fruit or vegetable is the most bitter. The sweet stuff's on the inside, so it's a protective mechanism. To stop you wanting to eat it or stop animals wanting to eat it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I I remember when we were looking into the... um, because you know you talk about that sort of ritual and the whole the whole process and, and how we, we as you say as a kid we are predisposed not to like it and we sort of learn because of a learned association with the taste but also the effect of it and the effect of it waking you up but I remember when we were doing space food for Tim yeah up in the ISS they you looked into it and we discovered that because of that loaned association, smelling coffee now as an adult, if you smell coffee, it will wake you up just as much as if you drink coffee because Year, your brain receptors yeah. light up. Years ago, we did a, I did an event for the Cheltenham Science Festival. And it was an Alice in Wonderland event. And, and the whole thing was designed with sort of actives, what they call actives. So caffeine is an active. And we played around with... Um, um, placebo effect so the smell of coffee gave the erased alertness so there's two I mean if you talk about on the health for example the health sides of coffee coffee can increase your energy levels it can increase your focus and concentration it can help deal with cortisol so too much cortisol can so cortisol you get inflammation potential inflammation this is a new area of research but Potential inflammation of the autoimmune system, which I mean, COVID is all about reducing inflammation of our immune system, which is which is stress inflames our immune system. Um, so it's an anti-inflammatory. However, if you drink too much of it and you drink too much too late in the day, then it affects your sleep. And um, after breathing, drinking. Eating, sleeping is the next most important thing. It's the thing that, you know, you need to do those three things first and then sleep and then you can get on with everything else in life. Otherwise, you can't last for longer than three weeks. And so your caffeine interferes with the melatonin levels in your body. So if you have caffeine after maybe two, four o'clock, because it's half-life, it can go on for seven eight hours so if you have coffee caffeine if you have coffee or if you have an espresso at five it still has an effect at midnight tell you the other so, thing it affects it and after you affect your visits to the toilet as well oh does it that's something oh my god especially when he first started drinking it you know i have to run to the loo about 10 minutes later oh, i haven't looked that up that's interesting really one. oh it's i think i believe it is a, a, a well-known uh, what's the word james a di- the, a diuretic diuretic and 
it really, yeah, it is. Yeah, I can, <laughs> oh especially an espresso. That was, yes. Yeah, so and with the old morning cigarette for my old days, that would be a bit of working man's breakfast. TV producer's yeah, TV producer. breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Does a morning cigarette make you have a pee-pee? Um, it wasn't a pee-pee I was after. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, do you find the come down off it as well i find when i've when i've been on shoots and stuff and you end up drinking three or four a day when you come off it i tell you what it's hellish for a couple of days coming off, for, off i i i, I stop i don't drink uh i might have two cups a day and i absolutely love the smell of coffee it's it, and there is a, remember that thing i don't know how true it is but if you want to sell a house the two, 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 two things to sell a house with is freshly baked bread and the smell of roasted coffee. And apparently your chances of you selling a house at the closest to the price you want go up. I, I, yeah, I, I believe that. could be an old wife's hell or not, but, I, but I, don't, I don't know. Now I'm going to pause here briefly in our caffeine fueled chat to just have a chat with the gentleman listening because one of our sponsors that's helping support this podcast is called Manscaped and they are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Yes, Manscaped offer precision engineering tools for your gentlemen's departments and they are trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. And the reason they're trusted is because they've redesigned the electric trimmer. Engineering teams have perfected the greatest trimmer for those departments down below the belt line, and they've just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Yes, this third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce those delicate grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes and it's waterproof, so you can sort yourself out in the shower. And it has an LED light which allows you to illuminate the darker areas areas amongst our bodies. They're upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology, which sounds impressive. And let's not forget about the charging sand. You can show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed sand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. And the good thing is you can now get Manscaped and 20% off plus free shipping with the code HESTON at manscaped.com. So you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code HESTON at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the code HESTON and you'll be able to sort out all those areas which need a bit of TLC. Right, back to some of the above-the-waist TLC and more coffee. The thing of having caffeine, having an espresso after dinner is bizarre to me but maybe if you drink a lot of coffee then you probably get used to it i don't know but i do know i do know that it is a hard it can be a hard thing to get off caffeine um but it also in small doses it's also good for you it's a good point actually that espresso after dinner it does matter. I do oh, have yeah, it when I have a maybe, you know, nice dinner. Maybe I do have an espresso. Read, it doesn't the, keep the, me awake. The, 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 the maybe it's the wine that offsets it. But, you know. It doesn't keep you awake any more than your full stomach would. I, I, I don't know. There is um, emerging research to show that this it's potential anti-inflammatory benefits against cortisol and other things can reduce your risk. I don't know how much by things like Parkinson's and diabetes, type 2 diabetes and Alzheimer's. I'm not. Sure, I don't know, but but that's been being looked into. Um, wow! And Fred, thank God I spent be, so much money on espresso. Quite pleased now. I'm actually doing something good for a change. Starbucks I thought it was just making so myself poor. I think it was <laughs> that's fantastic. It was aspirational for teenagers. You know, when you when you're at that age where you're too young to go to the pub, where do you go? But you want to be an adult. So, um, and, 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 and James and I were talking about this earlier and he, won, he asked the question about friends you know how much was that how much did friends have an influence on it it would have been massive but it's the aspirational element for, for kids we did a trip once to um, it, it was a I think it was a Madrid Fusion one of these gastronomic congresses and there were three of us and one of the, my, the guys, Chris Young, was looking after the, the, the lab when I first set it up. And he was from Seattle, which is the home of Starbucks. And we checked in and went through. And I said, oh, do you want to get a tea or coffee? And 
I said, what do you want? He said, well, I'll have a double tall something with uh, something like a, a double tall, a double tall something with a tom-tom. I went, okay, well, it wasn't, I don't know if Starbucks, it was in Costa or something, I thought. <laughs> oh, double tall is big, so double tall must be the biggest. So I got the bit, and I didn't know what the tom-tom was, so it was just a milk. Apparently a double tall latte, <laughs> yeah. a double tall coffee, it was two <laughs> shots of something. And, and it was jam-jam, not tom-tom. And the jam-jam meant just add milk twice. But he seemed that I knew what he was talking about. So I came back with a bucket. And he said, oh, what the hell is this? Loud. I said, well, just a double tall. It's just the biggest coffee I could get hold of. <laughs> Milk. Milky coffee. <laughs> with a tom-tom on the side. <laughs> I love it. Um, James, have you got anything about the history of coffee before I want to ask us well, questions um, about frothy milk? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a drink, I mean, I think it goes back to as, as far as sort of the 1500s as first appearing as a, as a, something that people were drinking probably in you know the Arab world and, and the Middle East and, and slowly it sort of, you know, um, drifted sort of westward into Europe. I mean, what's interesting is I was just reading about the etymology of the word coffee, which comes from a, an Arabic word, well, you're going to have to excuse my pronunciation, but it's like kawa, something like that. But essentially, that's a, set of a word that talks about, at, um, it, it refers yeah. to appetite repressants. So it, it was already known to kind of suppress the appetite because it was so bitter. And I imagine that would be quite a useful thing to have if you were spending many yeah. days making long trips, not you know, being able to sit and enjoy a luxurious lunch. You might want a drink that would just keep your hunger down. Um in terms of its kind of sweep across the Western world, I mean, as far as I can tell, obviously, the, the frothy end of coffee, which I know you're going to get onto, kind of appeared out of Italy, I think. I mean, I can't seem to find any kind of actual route to where it appeared. But then it's the emergence of the Viennese coffee shop, which I don't know if ever really touched the UK greatly, but sort of certainly in, in Europe, in Vienna and, and, and Germany and all those places was, was the hubbub of society. You would you would go there and that's where certainly things like the cappuccino, I believe, might have emerged and, and, and sort of swept that way. So it's interesting. I mean, it, and obviously now, as you, you guys are talking about, the, the 1980s saw another re invention of itself through the you know the sort of birth of off the Australian and New Zealand coffee scene which brought all a new wave of, of drinks like the flat white and all those kind of things so it's constantly reinventing itself but certainly its role in our daily lives is here to stay and is not going to go away by any any you know chance I don't think because it just it seems to be embedded in what we want as a, as a part of our lifestyle. And also the coffee houses, I know, from had a huge influence upon the sort of understanding of the universe around us, because especially back in the days when we were starting to come to grips with you know, gravity and the universe and the planets and the solar system and how we work, coffee houses were places where academic, there was no hierarchy within a coffee house in London and places such as that. You mm. could go in and speak, a scientist from the Royal Institute could go in and speak to a layman on the street without any of the inbuilt hierarchies that were so prevalent in society then. Mm. And it allowed a lot of the great thinkers to spend time together in a place that, that, that lots of the sort of cross-pollination of the thinking around the early days of science came through those places so it's like you say it's place has been around for a, without, a long time without society, drinking absinthe like without like, drinking like, absinthe, like the art world the, the artists <laughs> which would have led to some brilliant theories about the universe so the question i have for you heston now though is how how frothy is too frothy? Because some of the coffee how creations... How frothy that, is coffee? Yeah, how frothy is it when coffee gets when it becomes too frothy? Because there are some incredibly complicated sort of milkshakes type things out there. Where, do, where, where are we on the milkometer when it comes to that side of things I, in your I world? I mean, for me, I, I, I t now tend to have... I like to have a froth, the froth in my coffee, but I don't drink... Uh, I don't really because I'm because I I cut down on it espressos. Uh, I don't need with my ADHD or whatever or just my energy levels. I don't need anything to give me any more energy. Oh God, no! I will give you an espresso. No, so, <laughs> so I cut down. So actually, I, I get. Uh, it, but but the, if you're gonna put milk in for me. The, the 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 froth is very important i'm not a i'm not a big fan of whole milk i find it quite fatty just because 
you know, I, I used to have milk in tea and I went down to skim milk in tea and now I drink black tea. So I know if I put, if I, a glass of milk for me would be, would just seem really creamy. Um, and in terms of all the sort of frappuccinos and stuff, I, I don't think I've ever ordered one in a, in a, in a, in a coffee bar, but when you, there was a sort of through, I mean, Australian coffee culture is so huge. I mean, anyone that's not been to Australia, particularly sort of here in France or Italy, if you told them the quality of coffee in Australia, I mean, I, there's, there's, I, I don't know, but there's only a handful of Starbucks in the whole of Australia because they can't compete. I mean, even, even the, the little crappy coffee kiosk in one of the airports when you leave, if, if, if uh, my missus Stephanie, who came from France, had got a cup of coffee, and I was telling her about how good it is, in, and I said, "Look, this is this is about as worse as it gets," and she was surprised. It's coffee culture in Australia is absolutely huge, and, and it's not pretentious, is it? I remember when we were no, there together. No. You told me we tried it, and it's just like it's just part of having a fantastic coffee. It's just sort of perfectly normal. It's not some guy with a fancy beard. No, if you want, if you wanted a judge, a, a, a good judge. <laughs> Of coffee, come out to come over here and say this is terrible. You know they, they wouldn't give they wouldn't give Starbucks and any you know just dismiss it. And um, so then you got the emergence of um, of the flat white. So a cappuccino effectively is frothed milk on top of an espresso. A latte is actually where you, the, the milk and the coffee are mixed together. Uh, and a flat the diff- main difference between a latte and the flat white is the size of the bubbles the bubbles in a flat white are smaller now for me one of the problems with cappuccino making <clears throat> and they get it wrong is when the wh- milk is over wh- is over whipped or over frothed you've got two problems with that one is that if it gets too hot you burn the the, um, you burn the milk you scold the milk there is a theory I don't know if it's true or not but when the early cappuccino days that the cocoa or the chocolate on top of the of the milk was to hide the flavour of the scalded milk <laughs> don't know if that's true, true, true or not but that was oh, that's like one that. That, it's, a, it's a story and as we are based everything on hard um, hard <laughs> wide hard and and, and un um, what's the word? Uh, rigorously un, researched. Uh, yeah, rigor, rig, rigorous scientific, academic, academic, precise research. Then we'll Absolutely. take that. So, um, <laughs> but when, if you over whip, if you 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 get the scalded milk, you get burnt milk flavour, but also you end up with the froth being like a dry froth. So in yeah. the, in the mug, you it goes that you've got the milk, you've got liquid underneath, and a dry froth on top. And and for yeah, me, exactly you end you up mean. with this, this sort of granular, dry froth, and you and then you're sipping the coffee through it, and you end up with the milk that overwhipped milk top. So but it doesn't taste of coffee; it just tastes of burnt milk. No, yeah, it's not I don't nice like, at all. No, don't like it. I, I mean, I I like the, the 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 bubble, the flat white for me is is cream. It's just it's just it's just the texture is just a bit smoother than a latte because the bubble size is different. And so, yeah, I like the flat whites. You get all the taste. You get all the taste, and also you don't get a whole gallon of it. You get a small. You get a small. It's a nice. Yeah, it's a nice. It's a nice balance, I think. And we've done this on my coffee machine. The actual spout, the steamer. This is brilliant. The steamer, the the steaming wand. You just put it into into the jug of milk. You press the button. You don't have to swirl the mug around. And it's designed to do the swirling from the way that the, 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 the steam comes out of the nozzle. And it heats it up to 65 degrees exactly. 64 to 66. You can change it if you want, but 65. And then, and then that you've got the beautifully creamed, frothy milk that isn't rich. Now, I, so I've started, I've played around with, with different milks in my, in, in my coffee. I'm not... I, I love desserts and sweet things, but I haven't got a sweet tooth. Um, and so I tend to put, I've tried all sorts of milks, but I tend to put um, oat milk, which frosts really well. And I'm local, the local shop here, they've got sugar-free oat milk. So I, I like that in my coffee. I did try before. In London, I found this company they made. It's, I love it. I love it. I haven't had it. Found it here in France. Hemp milk. 
and it oh, wow. sort of tastes of the smell of coir. You know that matting. Yes, <laughs> but, it, okay. but it's, it's but so there's some milks that you put in coffee that aren't actually milk. So almond, some almond milks, for example, are actually water that almonds have been soaked in and then blitzed to get the milky thingness out of the almonds. So if you try and froth that, you put that in your coffee. If you notice, your coffee might taste a bit funny and goes granulous because it's you have it's not actually milk. I've always wondered what almond milk was. Never made any sense to me. I was like, well, you can't squeeze milk out of an almond. What on earth does that mean? So that makes it... You, no, you can get them out. Yeah, okay. And same with soy, some soy milks, you know, that you you, 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 you you soak them, you cook them, soak them, and then blitz them. So that that, that sort of milky, uh, milky extract that comes out isn't really the same as as milk. I mean, uh, um, uh, oat milk isn't as well, but it behaves more like milk. One thing I heard from a friend of mine went to one of those... I think it was when we were doing a show that involved coffee and she went to some kind of coffee expo, which sounds god-awful to me. You can imagine the kind of people you'd bump into there. But a coffee expo. where the, well, That's where my spoke- coffee machine won at the World Coffee Expo. It, it, it got the number one prize. Did it? Yeah. Never have I've so never many men with tattoos expo. and beard been that impressed no. with a coffee machine. Oh, and those really big <laughs> earrings. You know, the really... The, <laughs> The ones that are a bit almost like um, they could they could have come straight from Africa, you know. They're really they're exactly yeah, they're massive. <laughs> you could you could put a cricket stump through it. <laughs> but they one thing she did discover is you know that you know probably seventy percent of coffee that we drink is actually drunk in those coffee cups that you get from a takeaway thing, and um, they obviously have sealed lids apart from the bit you drink yes. through. Yeah, and she said someone said about well why why is that because all your teachings that you've taught me over the years are that actually we get flavor through our nose as we inhale oh, no, they're ridiculous. coffee there is a company that i can't I, I don't know the name there is a company that's come up with quite a clever um big step forward in that area because that's co- it's absolutely ridiculous even if you have a, you can't a, smell it, it can no you? you can't smell it and and if you and, and the hole is so small even if you have a crema on an espresso it, it, it's like you filter the crema out. Yeah, that's what's left at the bottom afterwards, yeah, isn't it? It makes no sense. There is a company that that, that um, I don't know why or the coffee houses aren't using this. There's a company that that, that, that has actually made a lid which is, is sort of more meshed. Uh, but it's a big difference. It's a it is it's a very good point. If you look at the shape of the coffee cups, so all all classic coffee cups, they're thick and they're round. Rounded bottom, not square bottoms. And that's so they hold the heat. And I think that's another theory for cappuccino. The milk, froth milk went on the top also to hold the heat of the coffee. But um, here's an experiment. We've done this, I think we've done this with wine before, taste and flavor, but it works really well with coffee. Right, take a, it doesn't matter if he's got uh, a a, a, a flat white or a, um, um, a latte. Or just an instant coffee with milk. Um, or you can try it black. Write coffee in really rounded letters. So imagine like a balloon. So there's no angles on the letters on one piece of paper. Or on, and then on another piece of paper, write the same word with really... So angular. You can imagine sharp. Everything's sharp. There's no round... The coffee's all really sharp. Like Iron Maiden font. Exactly. But even sharper. Even more spiky. And... Uh, um, you just did a good st- heavy rock face then, <laughs> uh, air guitar face. So and then, but have a look. Uh, sip the coffee with the same hand, looking at the round letters, and looking coffee with um, with sharp letters. And I did this with a woman called um, Sarah Hyman, who's done a brilliant TED talk on font, the the uh, and and book on on font shape. That's that's just an aside. But what difference would those fonts make? As you're, as so you're the sipping. rounded coffee makes it less. The, the the sharp letters makes the coffee taste noticeably bitter. Just by the sharp, but the sharp letters. That's and you can do it with music. And then you suddenly start thinking about everything that affects you when you drink coffee. Which shop you're in, the, the font on the door as you go in, the the colours of the room, the, the, oh, the man, weight of oh. the cup. I know we've spoken about before makes a difference. The weight the of the cup, of the colour of the cup, all makes a huge, huge difference. I wonder if Iron Maiden fans like coffee. Maybe there's, <laughs> if anybody so out there is a big well, Iron Maiden fan, but if just let us know how they like their fans, coffee. And they yes. probably, I don't know if they know the difference, but we'd like, it'd be interesting to know. Uh, 
Try, <laughs> try listening to what would you, um, Iron Maiden or, or or what's that? I don't know what you call it. It's really, really aggressive heavy metal. What's the most? It's like, oh, a, like thra- it's thra- pure thrash kind of rock. Yeah, that horror, death rock. death rock or something like that. Yeah, um, and then and then and then <laughs> and then listen to something really sort of, you know smooth and I don't know Mozart I can't think but just, just something a bit of jazz um, and then so also that's interesting you touched on it before is that this coffee culture um, like everything like classical music like art like cigars or wine like restaurants like fashion l- lends itself or veganism even and wellness and you know meditation and yoga they all can be potent they all have the potentials like religion they have the potential to be positive and negative and judgmental and coffee culture can be really judgmental i mean it's a very complex wonderful subject but it can be judgmental i've I've, (laughs) like italians i love italian food culture is so rigid it's right and wrong and one of the biggest blasphemies you can do in Italian food culture is ask for a cappuccino at lunchtime. I mean, you might get kicked out. You might get kicked out. Or they'll, really? la- they'll laugh at I've you. I've definitely done that at some point. I, I've definitely and done I that couldn't understand. Well. Well, if you want to drink a cappuccino at lunchtime, drink it. Or if you want to drink an instant coffee and you like it, well, who's to tell you it's wrong? So... They, um, I, I've tried to find out. I asked and I asked why. And I couldn't get an answer because they, they said, well, you know, it's, it's got milk. You don't have milk at lunchtime. I said, well, you quite happily eat a tiramisu or a panna cotta for dessert when you, at lunch. That's not a problem. And it's just that tradition. You know, mum, mum knows best. You can't, but yeah, it's like you we've n- always done it that way. Yeah, the never. Old, oh, but it's just the way we do never it. Never put spaghetti, bolognese sauce with spaghetti never uh, put parmesan on pasta or rice with seafood you know these things are you are literally blaspheming gastronomic bat- there's a blasphemy. new series we can do we can just travel around italy annoying italians by doing all the things <laughs> they don't know with food and france i'm sure you're doing that at the moment I'm sure oh, well i have a habit well, of what? annoying most people i've realized <laughs> um oh well, just got one thing coming back to i forgot to say the green the green coffee beans I remember, just reminded, one of the very first dishes on the fat duck menu was a petit salé of duck with pomme puree and green coffee bean sauce. So the petit salé was that were duck legs that were brined with loads of spices and then cooked in a, a in a bouillon and then put in the oven and glazed. Uh, and they were sort of boned out, so you had the duck bone, but all the meat around it was you didn't have the little bones inside. We took those out, and the the the. the I say pom puree, sounds like it's posh mashed potato, but it's a very smooth mashed potato. And then we, we made a duck sauce with spices and then infused lots of green coffee beans in it. I've just, I've just remembered that, actually. Um, that must have been a really interesting mix. With those in, it, it, thinking to do that in the first place must have been quite... Yeah, I can't even remember how I, came, I ca- how I came across it, actually. Uh, and I, I've just, I'm looking at my notes and I, another thing I, 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 so I'm jumping about, but just so people know, we talked about 65 degrees for, um, for milk. And generally I thought it was just a quite a useful thing to know is a brown, the hottest thing roughly that we can put in our mouths temperature wise is between 70 to 75 degrees centigrade before we, we might really? burn our tongue. So the 65 is perfectly warm enough that it'll feel nice and warming in the mouth, but you won't get that horrible thing when you get a coffee that's too too hot and it burns at the end of your tongue and that's it. You won't taste anything for the rest yeah, of the day. Exactly. And all, and that, yeah, exactly. And, and yes, exactly. Right. Well, we have unfortunately just about run out of time on our four shots of espresso that we've just had. Um, James, thank you ever so much for being with us and passing on the history. And Heston, that was a wonderful delve into coffee and I've learned loads of stuff I didn't know. Like, I got to ask all the daft questions that you don't normally... Yeah, I mean, I, it's kind of one of those subjects they, where... How it all works. You suggested this podcast. I thought, coffee? I don't drink much coffee. And then I, was, and I started thinking about it. I realised how much I, you know, I, how much I'd looked into coffee in the past, and how much I, with all the smell and the complexity, complexity of it. It's a huge, wonderful subject. Exactly. Also, dear listeners, any unusual coffee stories or coffee food pairings or 
you know, memories. We love, we love hearing them. We love sharing them. And they, they can also spark off our own memories, which is fantastic. Absolutely. Please do get in touch. Hestonspodcast.gmail.com or at Heston's Podcast on Instagram. And of course, if you get the chance, please do rate us and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you do get your podcast. But for this week, fully caffeinated now, Heston, thank you ever so much. We will see you again soon. I'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.